0: Hey Late Nighters, welcome to Late Night with White. I'm your host, C.D. White, and um, we are well met today. I feel good. I hope you're feeling well as you're getting ready to wind down for the night. Of course, some of you may be driving to work or just working, just waking, but whatever time you're listening, I appreciate you, and I'm very happy Um To have a moment of your time. So, it's March. We're three months into this crazy year with Ukraine and, gosh, just COVID and um, crazy truckers doing crazy convoys a la um, (laughs) 1970s. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun that is a very true statement. Um, But we're living in interesting times. However, March is Women's History Month. We just got out of February which is African American History Month and here we are celebrating women. So, I had a lot of thoughts about what it means to celebrate women and the difficulty of reconciling that we're slightly more than half the population, and everywhere in chains, the number of missing girls, the number of missing and dead indigenous women, the, gosh, the casualties of darker skinned people, particularly women all over the world, is just horrific. Um, women certainly suffer. But also take refuge in the fact that we survive. We're survivors. Women are tough and hardy. and um, they're strong. I mean I, and I don't say that simply because I'm a woman, but I say it because it is borne out in truth by every woman that I know whether she's poor, rich, black, white, thin, fat, ugly, beautiful, um, caustic, and shrew-like, kind, and mild, there's such a strength about women, and so um, we get this month to celebrate, and of course, as an educator, I teach girls, and girls are wonderful, they're funny, they're zany, they're quick-witted, they're well-read and, oh, they cry, Mm. they cry, they get so full and it reminds me of my own daughters who, um, you know, God, all the times they shed tears and, um, are just wonderfully rich and this is not to say that boys and men aren't, they certainly are, um, I have a boy. I have male colleagues and friends and um, partner. So men are great too. It's only that men don't have the same struggles that women do because they don't live in a society that um, is predictive in their wounding of um, women men don't get, and it's not to say that men don't get the same wounds, but uh, a woman's life, let it just be that. But I want to be positive today. I don't want to down you before your bedtime. And I really had some deep thoughts about like, um, the, the great big emptiness, the epidemic of loneliness, um, striving on um, religiosity versus um you know believing um all these things because I kind of keep a little ongoing diary of possible podcast topics but oddly enough what superseded all of them was this one and it's very simple and I hope you get something out of it but I'm just going to give you 20 great books or texts or short stories or um, articles to read by women. You guys are late-nighters, so I know you read. Reading is why you're up late. (laughs) Reading is why you're not shutting down. So I just want to share with you, and I did number these, but by no means is it a hierarchy or um, a value system because... You know, we each have our own thing. I just had to put a number to it so I could keep a flow. But do not take it as, um, you know, a top, top list, one that you should um, parse by, by the way that I am, that I'm giving it to you. And by no means is it exhaustive. It's just something that um, I came up with, with books that I've actually read, texts that I've actually loved and enjoyed by women. So um, use your Google, use your friendly librarian, use your Barnes and Nobles, however you get your text, go, go maybe just one of the 20, someone you haven't read, of course, and have a new adventure, because that's what these books are. So without further ado, I'm going to get started. Of course, it's 20 books, so I'm not going to be able to give you an exhaustive, um, you know, breakdown or summary of every book. But I want to start with my heart, Toni Morrison. You guys know I love Toni Morrison. And to me, she is a penultimate. Yes, she's first on my list, but only because she's so large in my own thinking and imagination. Right. And the book that I would recommend you start with if you haven't read Toni Morrison is The Bullets Eye. It is her seminal work for a lot of reasons, but um, one of her first passionate works. And I think she hits on the black female passion and her criticism of American society and the damage that it does to African American girls and women in this text is so beautifully detailed and heartfully rendered. Then... Once you got done with the bluest eye, I would recommend Beloved. Okay? Number two, Alice Walker, The Color Purple. I can't think of a book that in my teenage years impressed me more. Because I didn't read Toni Morrison to probably like maybe a senior in high school and then again in college for English classes. But um Alice Walker I remember reading as like an mm, eighth grader. I think one of my cousins, bless their hearts, gave me the book and I had my mind blown. I'd never seen Texas this way. I read Faulkner at that time. I'd read, you know, Hemingway, but Alice Walker's text was just like air. It was like oxygen from my brain. Um so yeah, start with Alice Walker, The Color Purple. And then uh, if I had to recommend a, recommend a second, I would say Possessing the Secret of Joy. Three, Zora Neale Hurston, Their Eyes Were Watching God. This book is a forebearer of Toni Morrison, of Alice Walker. Any modern writer, black female writer, any modern writer, period, leans heavily on Zora Hurston. I'm so thankful to Alice Walker that she brought her back to us in a real and meaningful way but their eyes were watching God Ugh, Tea Cake and Janie and its womanist uh, outlook the liberation of this African American woman and the time before liberation was even thought of beautifully, beautifully rendered number four Ursula K. Le Guin. If you like sci-fi, and, you know, I'm an Asimov girl, I'm a Bradbury, I'm a Stephen King, I'm a, you know, W.E. Boys and his first, you know, the Comet, um, all, you know, Connie Cullen, all those old, old texts and the newer texts, but Ursula K. Le Guin occupies a space that is so rarefied. And I would recommend you read The Left Hand of Darkness. Gender Bending. Uh, different planets, sci-fi, fantasy, uh, the cosmos, making you think about what is gender? How is it rendered differently in other places? How can we render it differently of course here? Because that's the point of sci-fi is to talk about here on planet Earth, right? While talking about distant locales. And um, to get your feet wet with Ursula K. Le Guin in sci-fi is beautiful. It's, it's a great swim. Five, piggybacking on Le Guin, is Octavia Butler. And all of her books are good. Um, I would start with The Parable of the Talents. I think it's a palatable read. The science, the science fiction in it is um, really digestible because everything else in it is mind-blowing. Like her her treatment of race and sex and gender and nationality and creed and color and being and presence and alien versus human and whoo, all that stuff. Octavia is a powerhouse. She takes no prisoners. She's um, a craft woman when it comes to her writing. Number six, uh, Sandra Cisneros, House on Mango Street. Um, Coming-of-age story, beautifully written, um, Hispanic in its tradition, um, or Latinx, as we would call it now, perhaps. But uh, one of the books that's on the, you know, recommended book list for for young girls and and young kids, and rightfully so. And I think she's... um, deservedly there not everyone who's on who's in the canon is there by deservings but she is and it's a good read and it's a feel-good read number seven N.K. Jameson's The Hundred Thousand Kingdoms if you like sci-fi you like your fantasy and N.K., you know, Jameson is a relatively, you know, modern, new writer. She's young. She's fresh. She's got lots of ideas about climate and gender and blackness and womanness and, you know, um, loyalties to states and, you know, world loyalty. She's just um, in the vein of Butler doing some very serious work with very crafty writing. And that's what I like about I guess her and Butler is that they're writing about things that are so weighty, but as you're reading it, the weight's not there. the weight comes on when you close the book, so to speak. Number eight. Nella Larson Passing. I love this short text. And I'm not sure if it's a tragedy, but it's commentary on blackness and, of course, womanness and American society is still being dealt with today. The idea of passing, right, of um, if you're light enough, crossing into the white world because that's what real humanity is you're not living a bleak existence as an african-american a person of color but the loss of your identity and you know even to pass and be jokingly called nig (laughs) um bears a lot of thought on the culture of that time and now and then when you think about ways that african-americans still pass maybe not in a color code sense but enough money enough no locale, enough education um, and then what's the cost of that passing is there ever a good passing so Nella Larson and then number nine I had to recommend Ida B. Wells yes she's a civil rights icon um, a grocery store owner a proponent of arming African Americans against white um, aggression and violence but a journalist Ida was a journalist, and her writings, I mean, you can find PDFs of them now, you can go online, was um, direct, hard-hitting, and took no prisoners. like, she wrote about, um, you know, lynching, and um, she did her own investigation, so she would, you know, someone would be lynched, and she'd go you know, get the facts and find out that no crime had been committed. But while they were lynching this African-American, you know, an eight-year-old black girl had been raped into oblivion. And the known assailant walked around free because he was white. And so I had to brought these things to bear. And um, it's bone-chilling to read her work bone-chilling when we read about you know Floyd and uh, Emmett Till and you know Martin and you know all these black sacrificial victims to white aggression but Ida was doing it during a time when it was you know her store was firebombed she was threatened um, she did it at great cost so Ida B. Wells just anything that she wrote um, during her, her uh, journalistic period Number 10, Uncle Tom's Cabin by Harriet Beecher Stowe. To understand the Civil War, you do have to kind of read this book. But I think, um, as a literary piece, it's, I mean, it's soap opera. It's fanciful. But it moved people to speak out against slavery it moved people to end it right in the same way that it moved people in the south to ban the book to um you know vilify her and you know all these things that led to historical change that led to a very physical violent dialogue about what kind of country we were going to be and so um i think just for nuance and just for a perspective that may be lacking, it would be nice to go back and read um, Uncle Tom's Cabin. And then when when you hear someone being called Uncle Tom, um, to understand what that means and how it's changed over time. Because I don't think people who use it understand who Uncle Tom was in the original book. But that's just me. Next, Terry McMillan. Now, her really popular work is, of course, How Stella Got Her Groove Back. But I also like Disappearing Acts. I want to just recommend those both in, in tandem. Um, disappearing Acts is a narrative about an African-American woman stumbling through love and relationships, childbirth, um, sisterhood, all those things, and um, losing and gaining in a way, it's um, you know you know who Terry McMillan is. It's it's um, you know it's not as heavy and as dense as a Toni Morrison, but it really comments on the everyday experiences of many African American women, right? So in that sense, to get this reading and to um, just play with her books and get these snippets of African-American female life. It's wonderful. We need differences. It, everything can't be highbrow. Everything can't be lowbrow. There has to be things in the middle, but all of it can be enjoyed. I don't like having um, this tension between you know high art and low art. If it pleases you, do it. Read it. Take it in. Number 12. Tabitha King's The Caretakers. Now, Yes, that Tabitha King, she's married to Stephen King. But this book is so beautifully written. Her prose, her style, her dialogue, her character development is stunning. Stunning. And when I read this, and it was a stumble upon, like, maybe they didn't have any Stephen King. you know, I don't know how it got into my hands, but... I absolutely love it and still remember it, you know, some 15, 20 years after having read it the first time. I would love to see it turned into a really good, well-done movie because it's that beautifully articulated and um, she is a powerhouse in her own right. I hate that she's obscured by her husband. But, you know, that's the way it goes. But The Caretakers by Tabitha King. Thirteen, Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl by Harriet Jacobs. So, with this being Women's History Month, um, slavery is writ large for African Americans, but for Native Americans, for, um, you know, uh, the indigenous populations of South America, of course, for Africa, of course, serfs and, you know, um people who are tied to the land in England and in Europe women being slaves and being dependent upon, you know, men and male culture for subsistence and life is not new but this young girl is pursued by um a man in the most vile way possible and so Gosh, when you think about sexuality in this country, in America, and black women and our bodies and our very physical beings and the way they've been scapegoated and used and torn apart. If you think about hot and Top Venus, how she was dissected, her ass put on display, the gross misuse of our labor, our um, sexuality, our productivity. And so Harriet Jacobs' work speaks to that, and I think it's worth reading for all women and men. Um, Number 15, Joyce Carol Oates. And I couldn't decide between We Are the Moldanies and Because It Is Bitter and Because It Is My Heart. I would lean towards Because It Is Bitter and Because It Is My Heart because, um, It's a coming-of-age story that I think a lot of women, no matter where we come from, if you've been in a college environment, could understand, right? Um, Could wrap our minds around. It's very powerful in the detailing of this woman's um, experiences and life. We are the Mulvaneys, is what Joyce Carroll owes us best, but she draws these long, um, very well developed um, peaks into American life. And she's very good at doing that. She studied Dahmer, she's done Marilyn Monroe, she's done. So she's kind of like a pop culturist who takes these moments in time and squeezes really great narrative out of them. So, um, but I couldn't decide which was better leaning towards because it was bitter. but you read and you decide. 16, Rita Dove. Now, Rita is Miss Dove, is, um, a preeminent poet and well-skilled. Um, the one poem, and you know, it's hard to, she has a body of work that's just cascades. But if you want to start with something, start with the poem titled Sonnet. And see what she does with that Shakespearean model, right? In the hands of the African-American woman. It's wonderful. But she has a large body of work. And that poem is a Sonnet, so it's very short. And you can read, of course, uh, tons more on top of that. I'm speeding up a little bit now because I don't want to take too much of your time. 17, Patricia Cornwell. Anything with Scarpetta in it. This is a woman who's doing kind of like the Lee Childs, the, um, you know, the Kellerman, um, but better because she's bringing more intellect. Her heroine is a woman who's twice educated, who's overqualified, who's really good at what she does, providing this forensic analysis and, and breakdown. Who revere?s What the dead can tell us about their life and about their murder, and she turns it into um, just spine tingling, page turning uh, narrative, which I love, right? And I'm, I'm not sure. I need to Google this. How many movies have been made of her work? Because it's ripe for good movie making or a good. And I know. I think some TV series have been based on her work, but I would like to see it on the silver screen, um, done with care and consideration, right? But any Scarpetta novel by Patricia Cornwell. 17, I'm sorry, 18. You have heard me talk about Shirley Jackson and The Lottery. So I'm recommending it again as a starting place. She has full-length novels, but I think The Lottery gives you a great taste of that Southern Gothic and of the reach that Shirley Jackson um, had and her craftsmanship. Her craftsmanship and the simple, maybe three or four page story, um, depending on what format you get it in, uh, that's just wonderful. And if you teach it to young learners, they are just like, ah, at the end. Because no one for the first time reading expects the ending. That occurs is totally mind blowing. Nineteen, Flannery O'Connor, um, her collection of short stories, "A Good Man Is Hard to Find," is a great place to start with her because it's some of her best work, and those stories are would um, have cemented her place in American letters. They're just so good, revelation and you know all these other stories um, everything that rises must converge she is um and I don't know if she intended to be but she is a voice for the discontented broken America particularly of the south but America in general that is trying to come to terms with its own evil but not quite making it not quite making it and then um Last on my list, I think everyone on my list has been American, but last is English author Virginia Woolf, and, you know, she was a feminist and, um, an advocate of women's rights during her life, sadly, you know, had a, had a bleak ending, but, um, I think a good start with her is her novel Orlando, because it deals with gender and Um, obscured femininity and um, being given the opportunity to inhabit male and female spheres in one body so those are my 20 recommendations by no means exhaustive, by no means um, you know um, a ranking that is a must do if you choose one, then my job is done And if you're listening and you're like, oh, I hadn't heard of that, hadn't heard of that, and it prompts you just to Google these women and get a small bite, a small plate of what they have to offer, because I think most of them, just looking over my list, have short pieces um, as well as longer pieces. So, you know, we have busy, hectic lives. A short story may be a very small investment as opposed to going and buying a novel um, or a series of novels and works. So... Happy Women's History Month. This is a little bit longer podcast than I intended, but I hope that it lays you down and you get something out of it and that your reading life is enriched. And I'd really love to hear from you if you've read everything on my list, because there's some people out there I know who have. I'd like to hear from you and hear your comments about the particular text that I um Suggested tonight, in terms of you know what your thoughts were, and is there something on the list that you thought was absolutely horrible and could easily be replaced by another author? Because you know, once you make a list, you're leaving off a whole lot of qualified, um, gifted people, and even as I'm saying this, I'm thinking about women that wow, I could have added. <laughs> Thank you for being with me tonight. Please keep your comments coming. Keep your support coming. I really appreciate it. Send me an email, answer a question, engage, and have a good night.